Hello, and welcome to another episode of Hot Takes, the story stream podcast where we see newer movies and then bring our very hot, new, fresh-out-the-oven impressions to you, the listener. Uh, before I get into it, I just want you to know that we are not the only podcast on Story Screen. You can go to storyscreenbeacon.com for many more podcasts, articles, and reviews, and whatever you're listening to this podcast on, please like it, or subscribe, or leave a comment, because all those things are super cool. But my name is Robbie Anderson. I'm joined by Jeremy and Jack Kolodzetsky. How are you guys doing? What's up? Chilling. Good. Uh, we saw the new Spike Lee joint on Netflix. We watched The Five Bloods, uh, a movie about Vietnam that spans generations. And uh, yeah, what did you? what are your guys' hot take on The Five Bloods? Uh, I guess I'll go first. <laughs> uh, <laughs> We're too gracious as brothers. You know, we always want to. So, so polite, these two. Yeah, we just want to lift each other up. I appreciate it. You know, uh, a lot of this stuff ha- that's been coming out this year through streaming services, it feels like a lot of it is just like stuff that studios weren't like all too confident in. So they just like dumped it onto streaming and just used it as an, ex- as an excuse of like, hey, this is a. Uh, this is a brand new movie, but you know, it's like, it's like kind of whatever. This is like one of there's the, there's been f- some good stuff. There's some we, good. We st- talked about Shirley. That was cool. Yeah. Yeah. There's some good stuff, but I haven't seen Shirley yet, but so maybe my opinion. Would so be- maybe there is good stuff. You just haven't maybe seen. Maybe that my opinion of this would change if I had seen it before, but the five bloods feels like the first really great movie of 2020 for me. I, I was really affected by this. I, I thought it had a really strong message and really strong directing and, and character work. Uh, Spike Lee has a very distinctive style. It's It's been a style that he's been going with for, uh, for 25, 30-something years. And at this point, you're either about it or you're not. I'm quite about it. And I, I, know, I know what this movie is, is doing uh, is when, it, it comes, when it comes to like pace and... And the way it's structured may not be suited for everyone, but I really dug it. Jack, what do you think? Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I, I think this is a really cool movie. I think um, Spike Lee definitely has his own very particular way of making movies. Uh, and he's very... He's more... He's much more explicit in... Uh, some of the messaging that he conveys in his movies than other filmmakers are, but not in a hit you over the head with it kind of way. I think he has a he he really like does a good job of introducing subtlety in here, but also being like on the nose about this stuff. I mean, we talked about um, Black Klansman. What was it two years ago mm-hmm. now on a yeah. hot take episode, and that movie came out. Right after the Charlotte's Charlottesville, right? Yeah, about a year. Um, yeah, like a year afterwards, um, and very directly like addressed that stuff as well as like addressed some direct correlations between like language that the Trump administration has used and it is also used by white supremacists. Uh, this movie comes out obviously at a time where like the discussion around. Uh, systematic racism in the u.s and like the many many historically 
bad choices that the U.S. has has made in the past and continues to like double down on and and uh, uphold now. Uh, so I think this movie is like even more timely, urgent, coming out and urgent. Yeah, and it's kind of you know it, it's it's sad, um, but it's also kind of wild to think at the same time like the message of this movie is not a new one um and the message of you know the ongoing protests and movements are not new ones but they feel especially relevant now even though you know i don't think when spike lee was writing and directing this movie he knew that we would be where we're at right now like post george floyd with the protesters still ongoing so right and it's it's certainly not not a new thing that he's talking about, but it's certainly a unique perspective, especially in the war genre, especially the Vietnam War genre, because you know uh, black soldiers, black American soldiers, they took up quite a, they were, you know, a prominent force in in mm-hmm. the Vietnam War, and in film, it that aspect of the Vietnam War is uh, very seldom covered. Mm-hmm. So it was really yeah. really refreshing to see. I mean, not this, just Vietnam. Yeah. Many wars, yeah, going I think all the there, way back. There's like one movie, I think, like a World War II movie that is about. Black. There's like one movie that actually covers like per like American War that actually covers like some of the black battalions and soldiers that were like fighting in those wars. I know right. there's one uh, that takes place during the Civil War. I know there's like a World War II glory. Movie. Glory, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, that movie's good. But uh, um, but I'm saying the Vietnam War specifically because th- one of the biggest themes that this movie has is that these black men are fighting two wars at the same time: the the war that they're fighting for their country in Vietnam, and the one that they're fighting in their country, the the war for civil rights, and how it's yeah. how it's affected them. Both of those wars have affected them over many years at the same time. And I think there's, there's, uh, you know, and we're kind of jumping right into it now. I don't think this is spoiler territory, but it relates those those two things, you know, how they're actually in Vietnam dying for a cause that they don't really fully understand. Right. Um, and is more than probably uh, the case of U.S. aggression and imperialism, um, even from the perspective that they understand it. Like, the U.S., Vietnam especially is one of the worst atrocities that the U.S. has perpetrated, but it's one of many atrocities, many of which are still going on right now Mm -hmm. um, and have continued to go on post 9-11 and pre 9-11. Like, I think that's the thing. Like, the U.S. is a country that does a lot of bad shit all the time. And to frame the perspective of black men who went to war to perpetrate that bad shit that the U.S. does and and kill people in a foreign country over a conflict that they're not they're not bought into, and then juxtaposing that against the civil rights movement that was going on. Like, there's a scene that's very direct. We'll talk about it more probably in spoiler zone, but like that direct contrast of them not being in the United States when a pivotal moment in the civil rights movement happens because they were on foreign soil killing people that they don't have any actual conflict with like it's not their fight but no the government the white man sends them there mm-hmm. like that I'm, that's a really powerful thing that holds up now and i think is a reminder of kind of just in the face of all this bad shit that's going on right now like the u.s has has been doing this bad shit for a long long time robbie 
Uh, I like the movie. I'm I'm looking forward to discussing it with you guys because you have some pretty like already stoked and articulate uh, reads on the flick. Um, but yeah, I I enjoyed it. Um, I like I, I'm I can't say I'm the most familiar with Spike Lee's work, but I do like his kind of uh, you know what we mentioned earlier what he does with Black Klansman, his kind of fusion of documentary and fiction and kind of like blurring the lines mm-hmm. to make to make like the world that we're in right now. Mm-hmm. And I, and I really like the way he did that in the beginning of this movie. Cause he shows you, um, so many clips that are historically based, but then he starts mixing in like some of the fiction to get in there too. So it kind mm-hmm. of like reorients you into this world. And I think that's super effective, but yeah, I really like the movie. I, I really like the uh, score of this movie. Yeah. Mm. Uh, I thought it felt very like, classic hollywood blockbuster sounding yeah it's got that like orchestral stuff yeah and it helped kind of like elevate this movie to to those standards because like you know i do think there are some times where like effects and cgi like feel like a little limited but for the most part like i think the movie looks really good Mm -hmm. um but i do think like the the music really helps it you know it, it makes it feel like it's just as um, production value wise, it's just as up there with like a Saving Private Ryan or something like that. You know, it it, it helps elevate it to that level. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I agree with everything you guys said. Also, um, I think you know when we get into spoilers, we can we'll we'll definitely be breaking into the social political commentary that's happening. You know, under the surface, even though there's plenty happening on the surface with this flick for sure. Um, yeah, I really dug it. You know, you know, it's interesting. You say that that puts it up to the level of like uh, Saving Private Ryan, definitely in terms of themes and what it has to say about war. But the way it's stylized, especially in the uh, flashback sequences, reminded me more of like those, those like kind of Chuck Norris action movies in the eighties, like the like the kind of non sure. like the non exploitation kind of mm-hmm. things, like uh, like. Like the Rambo sequels, that's probably like the most uh, prominent example of like those kinds of like low budget, um, like war exploitation movies. It's just like the way it's filmed and like that kind of like 16 millimeter ish uh, hue on the. Uh, I'm not totally sure if it was actually filmed in 16 millimeter or if it was just like a digital effect, but like the the Vietnam sequences, they look they look like they were shot in the time. Yeah, and they were and they were and they were filmed and edited to look like that. So so it's interesting that he visually conveys it in in this very specific way that invokes like a like kind of like an ex, like those old war exploitation movies, but has the time and a place for sure, right? Yeah, yeah, but it has this like more potent message that those yeah. that those other movies would not have had. I think what what also goes you know along with this and like the, you know, the deeper political messages that he also makes movies that are just kind of fun to watch and entertaining and to have good characters, you know, like it is, it's not just all this messaging and stuff. It's like also a good movie and putting those two things together, just having like an entertaining movie that also could maybe lead you to think a little more about experiences that are not your own. It's something that Spike Lee does really well. He understands that he needs to give the audience the goods mm-hmm. to to make to make sure like his his message comes comes across like naturally and that people that people understand it. 
Cause like, cause like, you know, I feel like with audiences, if you just give them the message, they'll be like defensive and they'll like right. reject it in a way. So you gotta, you gotta lure them in with, with like genre thrills and all that. Definitely. I mean, I think that's, that's one of the strongest aspects of film period. Definitely. Right? Definitely. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, back to kind of what Jeremy was saying about the way the style in which some of the flashbacks were shot. Um, I think it just speaks. I think that also speaks to just like you know he's he he really is a a director and an artist that like you know because he, he's a documentarian as well, right? Yes, you know, he, like he do, he does that as well, and like I really like that he brings that skill set to a lot of his movies. Um, that helps kind of like like I mentioned earlier, like flesh out the world. Um, and it's interesting that you know in this movie that he would make. You know, he he kind of grounds this movie in a lot of in a lot of realism. He uses real world events to ground the plot, and it be and it's interesting that in the flashbacks he kind of uses um, these like type of like exploitation movies stylistically to convey those scenes. I think that's that's like that's kind of cool. So it's like the movie's not only like uh, a movie's like a little bit of a love letter to like the filmmaking or the stories that take place during Vietnam. Mm-hmm. I think that's I think that's an interesting thing to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it kind of shifts and changes a little bit too, like over the course. It's like it's a war movie, kind of, but it's also like a movie about aging and reflecting mm-hmm. on that. Like it's kind of like I don't know. There's probably a better. I mean, we we recently watched um, VFW, right? Yeah, where it's like uh, your cast, your main cast, or like these four. You know, very different, but also like, you know, well fleshed out and interesting characters um, that are immediately likable or if not likable, then definitely interesting, at least like that. They're the like main center of this plot. Yeah. Um, And like it's it works to deliver all that messaging and stuff because it's also just like a compelling movie. Mm hmm. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, I definitely agree. And just like. A big, a big shout out to Delroy Lindo, especially like he's. I think he's the definite standout performance. Like you know, everyone's everyone's talking oh, yeah, about he's... him, but there, like there's a good reason. He's a longtime contributor to Spike Lee's work from Clockers and Crooklyn. Uh, also, very notable performances in that. But he 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 really brings it in like such in like a character that it's hard to sympathize with at first because of how yeah. he's presented, but then you like learn what he, what he went through and like you, how his experiences sh- like shifted his mindset. And it's like, he becomes, he becomes such a, such, such an exciting character to watch. And it's just so heartbreaking. At yeah. The same I, time. I definitely want to dig into his character. I think that's one of the more interesting aspects of the film mm-hmm. for sure. Once we get he's, in spoiler zone, he's definitely doing like the most, the most like acting. I feel like because mm-hmm. his, his performance has kind of the most like uh, peaks and valleys, not not in a bad way, in like just like an energy way, mm-hmm. you know. Some there is some apocalypse now energy in there, which I don't yeah. think you can avoid when you're making a Vietnam movie. And it makes and it makes yeah. like several references to past Vietnam movies. Like it's you know it doesn't pretend that other Vietnam movies don't exist, right? You know. The, of course, the Apocalypse Now bar and its use of, of music, which, like, you know, people can argue, like, using ride, like Flight of the Valkyries 
for in a Vietnam movie is cliche, but you know he's he's trying to convey this this Vietnam this very specific Vietnam imagery to get his message across. Yeah, but the, I mean the times that he chooses to use it feel more like homage than anything else. Yeah, for sure, for sure. You know, he'll he'll use some of these uh, tried and true signals of other Vietnam movies, and he'll use it in, in interesting ways to kind of subvert your expectations and, and it, it feels like a wholly original vietnam movie like like even though it uses those those familiar yeah those it's, familiar you know ideas. it's in the it's in the war movie genre and uh and it's like and it's super good you know i don't know has has spike lee done any other like war uh movies? there was a miracle at saint anna was that one about? which was which i which I believe I have never seen that, but that's a that's a World War Two. Two. Yeah, yeah. He didn't write that one. It's yeah. It's uh. Yeah, it's it's about it's about um soldiers who seek refugee in a uh, village in Italy where they bond with like with like the people. Gotcha. Yeah, but that. That one wasn't quite as well received mm-hmm. back then as Defy Bloods is is getting now. So, yeah, the reception has been really positive. Yeah, this movie. I think it, because it it's not only a good movie, but it really fits. It seems pertinent right now, for right? Current cultural climate, right? Yeah, it's it's crazy how he kind of. I mean, you know, I guess with Black Klansman and with the Charlottesville stuff, like Black Klansman came out like either post or was gestating during those events, but. You know, I do think this this movie has to have been, you know, signed, sealed, delivered before uh, before any of the George Floyd Floyd. Oh, stuff no happened, doubt. You know, yeah, and it, and it's definitely. crazy how it's kind of like there there are scenes in the movie that's just like, are you are we talking directly about this thing that's happening literally right now, and it, and it can't be, you know. But well, I mean, it's, it's, how, it's also, how timeless that message is, and how exactly how it, systemic it, these problems are mm-hmm. that it's not yeah. hard to predict. <laughs> Yeah, it goes to show you how this has just always been a problem. It's just right yeah. now that it feels like all the all the pieces are in place between coronavirus and the death of George Floyd and, and Breonna Taylor. Uh like everything is just like coming to a head all at once. Yeah. It was the um, it was the you know, the straw that broke the camel's back. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. everyone at home kinda. Everyone's everyone, everyone can see it you know like yeah most people are unemployed a lot of people mm-hmm. are at home hiding from a deadly virus right yeah. uh you know people of color are suffering uh, disproportionately to that virus mm-hmm. um or and people who are, who are poor as well because those are the people that still have to go out and work like so all these yeah. things are like just kind of boiling over at the same time mm-hmm mm-hmm it's a bad time. Uh, do you guys want to say anything else before we go into spoilies? Yeah, I think I all I have to say is like more specific stuff in the spoiler territory. So yeah, go watch it Same. on Netflix and then come back because I highly recommend. It. It'll be a uh, you know, it's stylistically it might not be for everyone, but it's it, the movie has a very important message. Yeah, about what's what's going on today and what's been going on for the last 50 100 150 like since the beginning the last history of america yeah honestly yeah the entire <laughs> the entire thing 
Um, yeah, it's a long movie, but it's good. Uh, it's a bit long. It's a but bit. It's, it's a bit on the long side. But like, if you're watching it on Netflix, like you could pause and go take. You a could shit. pause it. You could take a break. Yeah, you got through what the Irishman. You can get through this one. It's fine. <laughs> That's true. That's true. There. Yes. Um, cool. So we'll be right back with spoilies. We're gonna talk about who dies. See ya soon. It's the soul of America. The soul of America's dying. That's the one who dies. <gasps> Did America ever have a soul? And we're back with spoilies for The Five Bloods. Uh, one of my favorite moments immediately in the movie was when uh, they're, they have like the moon landing in there. And it, it says in the caption, The Moon. The Moon. Yeah. And he sneaks it good. in there, just very nice. So yeah, that like, was like good. That. Spike does that he's all playful, the time. He's playful, Spike Lee. He's like, he's his using that like documentary imagery, like right in a movie is like very unusual. I don't think you, there's not a lot of stuff where you see that especially it's, more like main like a mainstream netflix release yeah. like that you know it's it's yeah. definitely unusual for that he does that a but lot. it's such a good style yeah no i know it's like his like trademark style right. it kind of reminds me almost of like uh of like a wes anderson movie not that like wes anderson splices in like documentary footage but he'll splice in like a picture of these characters 25 years ago because they're talking about something relevant to that image or like um or even like in an even weirder way, like Arrested Development reminds me of like that style, and like it's like it's different, but like, like the, cut the kind away of like sort of style, yeah, cutting away into like a flashback or or something stagnant that informs the current like yeah. action happening in the thing. It's more oh, like um, the Family Guy. Yeah, it's, yeah you're saying Spike Lee is just like the Family Guy. It's more contextual. He's exactly, he's like he's like a quagmire. Um, he's just like I've been. I was thinking that actually. <laughs> you beat me to it. I was going to say it. Yeah. Like quagmire. Oh my god. Uh yeah, so we're in spoilies. We're here to talk about specifics. Uh I didn't know this movie was also about finding gold, which I thought was fun. Yeah, it's, it's a, a fun yeah, kind of a, uh, It's a heist King movie sort of thing. It is a bit of a heist movie. There's a lot of uh yeah, this movie I think Jack mentioned it earlier, there's like a lot of movies in this movie. Yeah. He and uh and they, and it works. What's so great about what Spike Lee does at his best is that he takes film as a form and like turns it into like a collage. You know, like a yeah. collage of ideas while at the same time telling a story, a collage of ideas and images and sounds in mm. in, in a way that I feel like a, a lot of filmmakers like don't really go for because Spike Lee's, you know, he's been around for 30 years. He's just so confident in his own style. That he he's did. fucking going for it. Yeah. There's no argument about that. Yeah. And, you know, he's been criticized for his lack of subtlety. But honestly, at this point, like I feel like subtlety is fucking overrated. I suppose when we're talking about these things, where it's just like, what am I supposed to do? Like fucking be mystify you with the fact that like this movie is about racism? It's yeah. just like no, this is what we're fucking like. This is the story. Yeah. This is the at thing. the same time, like, it's you know, it's it's not subtle, but it is complex. I think. Yeah. Because it's dealing. Yeah, yeah, and I sure. think like we started talking about Paul, the character, um, and I think. You know, we started to get into it, but I, I really think that character speaks to like a common thing in America, which is, you know, it's it's something that, you know, you would think that that no black person in the U.S. would ever want to vote for Trump. Right. And yet Spike Lee presents this character and I think really makes this character empathetic in the way that like it his heart is filled with hatred. For a number of reasons. And that hatred is what leads him to buy into that kind of rhetoric. 
mm-hmm. that Trump has, even though it's so obvious that clearly Trump does not care about black people at all. Uh, and clearly the things that Trump says are to stir up a base, but like that is his whole game is just appealing to people who, who cannot let go of their hatred. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's also been, you know, he's been holding on to this secret and this guilt for forever. And you know, this like, it's, it's like fear and hatred growing inside you and kind of eroding everything that's inside you to the point where it's like, you can't love people, you have PTSD and you know, anytime that like broken thing inside you gets stirred up, it's being stirred up by someone who feeds on the exact thing that's kind of killing you, you know? And, and, and you know, the, like these, these soldiers, they, <laughs> when they came back from Vietnam, they came back to a very unwelcome place. Oh, in yeah. a place where where black people already felt unwelcome like be, like being black and being like a vietnam soldier like that that it must that must have been just been like like a horrible thing that that's you know, that's explored really well in this and yes. like you know those and yeah. it shows like this group of characters some were a lot more well adjusted than others but like that pain still uh resides in all of them it's what like brings them back together yeah and I, I think that it's i i love that the movie directly focuses on and talks about reparations in that way mm-hmm. like they yeah. say it explicitly like you said it's not subtle but it is complex like that idea that you know the united states has just fucked over black people for yeah. the hit the entire history of the united states it's, it's, in so many ways and continues to do so uh and this you've got this group of soldiers that are like, well, we're gonna fucking get ours, you right. know, we're owed this. Well, they also and they and they kind of you know, they even have some discussion and disagreements regarding the money, even when they do get it, where they're like, no, we should be putting this into Black Lives Matter or like other you know communities that will help our community and things like that. And then they're like, well, I just I'm just kind of looking out for myself. So you have almost like this. You know, and again, it, it's not very subtle. It's a, it's like a political argument about like you know the individual person being like, I'm getting this money. I don't want to, I'm like, I won't even pay taxes on this shit. I just want this all for me. I'm entitled to this thing that I found. And then you have these other people being like, well, maybe we can redistribute this wealth to make the entire society better. And it's happening between like these five characters or these and, four characters. And 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 then the thing is, neither of them are really wrong. Right. You know? And I think that's another layer of added complexity because that, you know, the these four friends kind of imploding and fighting with each other over this money, I think is a good metaphor for how the structural suppression of black people over the course of the U.S. history has in a lot of ways turned them against each other. Yeah, Because sure. you create poverty and desperation – uh, and this desperation to get what is coming to you, or or just just survive, really, yeah, the and that just like yeah, it just forces people against each other. Mm-hmm. Like that capitalist system forces people against each other, even people who are bound by blood in such a way that these characters are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How do we feel about Chadwick Boseman as the mythical as the mythical fifth blood? He's great. Yeah. How can like you his... not feel any way but good about Chadwick Boseman? I just, I just mean the, 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 this, char- the character. I see this guy. How do we... He's also like, he's like in his 40s and he just looks so fucking good all the time. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, I, I like him. I like the way they described him early on in the movie as like Malcolm X meets Martin Luther King. Um, mm. And I liked like kind of, you know, that in the thing you're putting, you know, in, in, in the black community, you're putting these like two spearheads together. And, and so it's like, that's a big ask for this character, but they do it in a way he's almost godlike. He's ethereal in that way. Cause he, he becomes like this fusion. It's, it's, it's very interesting the way that he, uh, moves through their, their group and through the story. And just the, the way he's like, he's always shown at such like a low angle and he's always bathed in sunlight every time you see him. So it, it just adds to that, that mythical presence. He has. Well, the film also presents him as a memory. Yeah. In all yeah. cases, you know, I think it's a really interesting stylistic choice that in all the flashback scenes, Chadwick Boseman is the only one who's played himself like at that age and all the rest of the characters are played by themselves like at their older age, just back. Like there's no, yeah. I like that there's no like attempted de-aging or anything like that is it's their memory of him yeah. and those events. And that's why they're exactly the same age as they are right now. They're like putting themselves back into that situation. It's a cool it, choice, it did, especially in in a world of Irishmen's. It's it's bold, you know. So it was weird though. At the end, they chose to like have a photo of them that was clearly de-aged. That was weird. So yeah, but can you imagine looking at that moving for two and a half hours? So Spike Lee, I'm glad they didn't. So Spike Lee said, if he had a bigger budget, he would have he would he would have de-aged the actors in the Vietnam sequences but but, but like you like would have taken so much away from it but like you said I it ended, it was a it was a blessing home. in disguise honestly because yeah. yeah you're i agree it like it gives that feeling of memory of that when you remember something you still put yeah. yourself as you are now in those memories and i think that and was if you did like a if you did like a double casting i think that would have also been distracting it would have been it would have been confusing you know because well, it would have been like who's who the fuck is who yeah you know? right like yeah so it like it kind of makes the film feel like kind of like a play you know yeah i mean i feel like that's like that's like a spike lee thing as well right a lot of his stories can kind of like translate he had he had a play that come out a few years ago that uh i think they had streaming on amazon as well that's supposed to be really really good well he had a he he directed a uh, a one act play about rodney king yeah a couple years ago Mm -hmm. so that's that might be what you're referring to yeah you can was do there it another all, one. I think Mike included it in his list. I, I think it was like a 2018, called. right? Uh, or 2019, but didn't it have? It was 2019. I think actually, I think you're right. Wasn't another Adam Driver thing? I don't think Adam Driver was in it. No. Okay. That was Black Does it have something to do with a police police officer? Probably. Uh, another one you're talking about. I forget now. We can look that up later. But yeah. anyway, but, um, yeah, I I agree with the the theater type vibe of it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. just like in the way like the performance are, are like uh like exaggerated in but not in not in a way where it's like over the top it's exaggerated in like a theatrical kind of way theatrical but, did, but grounded how did you guys feel about the um not just the inclusion of uh jonathan majors as david um but just like his character in general, like, how, how do you guys feel about him? Because I thought he was an interesting addition to the story when he comes in. And and I feel like in some ways he, I, I think in some ways he's like a little like underutilized. Mm. And then in other, in other ways, I think he's like, I think that sometimes he's, he's a placeholder for, he's like an anchor for Paul's like emotions. 
and less so like kind of a character in his own right. He, you know, they set him up to be very interesting. Well, he also gives a unique perspective to the group that yeah. I th- I think the group wouldn't be as compelling if they if they didn't have that young man to bounce off of and to yeah. like challenge their decisions. I'm glad he's I'm definitely glad he's there. I just kind of like I think he gets kind of swept up in the the romantic tension he has with like the landmine girl and I feel mm-hmm. like that's pulls focus from like the, the like what Jeremy said like you know the, these interesting aspects of his character being a part of this group, you know. I'll, I'll, yeah, I think you need that there for the yeah. uh, generational connect, yeah. you know, like otherwise it's just these own guys. There are these four older guys in their own kind of vacuum. I think you need need the younger guy yeah. in there to, like Jeremy said, kind of bounce that off of. And I agree with you, Robbie, that I think once they introduce um, that um, Hetty, the, the French Minesweeper character, mm. it kind of becomes... Uh, too much of the focus of that character than like yeah. you know the relationship between him and his father which i think is the much more interesting component sure sure and and that's and that's kind of like what i wanted to see more like i i just remember like every time they're like pushing this kind of like romantic tension that these two have it's like the le- it's like the least interesting part of like what's happening in the scenes you know mm-hmm. i mean it's this movie also kind of like for as unique as it is and ha- how stylistically interesting it is uh it does fall back on some like pretty typical movie tropes at times and it's almost like those parts are kind of more jarring to me because i think the other stuff that it's doing is like so interesting that when it starts to like become more like uh, there are parts of this movie that become very traditional i think like the third act of this movie is the the part that worked the least for me like i I can it almost becomes the rundown at some point and it's (laughs) like I, mm, i don't there's, okay, like there's some. I, I agree with you for the most part, but there's some saving graces in there because you get mm-hmm. the Paul like monologue to camera. Yes, he's like in the jungle, and that stuff like that shits. I wanted so much more. I of that. I think he's more referring yeah. to like after Paul bites it. Uh, Pretty so much. Like, I mean, like the shootout. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Pretty I much. like the. I I agree. There's I mean, good and like I'm not saying the whole third act no, is no. bad, and and that Paul monologue is a standout for me for sure. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, the you know like the shootout kind of like last stand shootout does feel very. Anytime like, they're firing guns, I'm just like, oh, we're in this movie now. And and Jean and Jean like, Renault was kind of Jean Renault, yeah. yeah. He he kind of stood out a little. Is that bit. the French? Is that the French guy? Yeah, he was like this French, the, the big like, bad. Yeah, the guy who they were trying to conspire with. He he seemed he seemed a little bit like he seemed to be plucked. He was he seemed to be plucked out of those what I was referring to those eighties war exploitation movies and yeah. just like kind of put in there. He literally runs around with a German pistol and a MAGA hat on. I know, and right? Shoots these people. And it's just like <laughs> this is this is what it is. Yeah, I'm into mm-hmm. it. But I think you know we were. It works because we were talking about how, you know, this movie could be painting a lot of homages to exactly what Jeremy was talking about, like that that style of filmmaking. And it's also a scene that um, is, is written with a hammer, you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, it, it, he speculatively just has a good way. Because, like, you know, like I'm watching that scene, I'm just like, I know, exa- I know exactly what he's trying to say. Yeah, it's cool, you know? Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Can we talk about Jean Reno for a second? Sure. Because I'm not sure if I'm just not used to seeing Jean Reno without like any sort of facial hair at all, but you weren't looking too good, because I was like, is that Jean Reno? He hasn't he acted in, in anything major it's been in a, a while. long time. I haven't seen him in a long time, yeah. Yeah. Who was who was he in the movie? He was the he was the big bad French guy. Oh <laughs> I'm looking at his IMDB picture. I'm like, I'm sorry, what? Yeah, yeah it looked different. Like he, you know, he yeah, was. He doesn't look. He, doesn't look he hasn't updated his prof pick in a while. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't blame him. <laughs> um, I mean, he's good in the movie. Like I said, like he he becomes like the, uh, you know, he, the big bad of a Rambo movie at the end of it. He's wearing all white, <laughs> wearing the MAGA hat, having a German pistol. He yeah, has the privilege. I guess in a way has he, the privilege of like kind of not dying. Like he he's hard to kill despite being like the. The easiest target, and I feel like that's kind of like that. But that's like that's like he has like white power, like plot armor on. Mm-hmm. You know, like mm-hmm. he's hard to kill because of like he's like he's privileged in a way. It's like protecting him from violence. But eventually, he gets his, which is always good. So that I wish there was yeah. a little more of this in there. But I think like his character being like the the capitalist that does not care about any of the like political aspects of this, but just like bucket putting on the the maga hat at the end and picking up the german pistol it's like capitalism is as much of a racist factor um even though capitalism like he doesn't actually care about well, he's, like, stuff. he's like he doesn't care politically but he's not it's not the movie's not saying he's racist but like he's no. a businessman and he doesn't give a fuck like he just simply does not care about their human lives he's and an he, outside like, agent them. into this thing he just wants to reap the benefits yeah right which is capitalism like his character is capitalism to a t yeah. it's like, like oh it you just... want to do this thing you can only do it through me and you need to give me and i'm, I'm gonna huge fuck you chunk of your money and then i'm gonna fuck you over anyway yeah mm-hmm. yeah i wish he was a little more i don't know maybe capitalism can just be a one one note i wish like, he was american villain i think him being french yeah is, th- is like weird <sighs> I think I think I, well I think it's just I, I, like I don't understand like what it does for you know I think you what know. it is for me is that maybe if he had a little bit more of a presence because yeah. like he I like pretty much forgot about him throughout like the whole it's weird the that whole he shows movie up and he just shows up and yeah. I was like oh shit I completely forgot this guy was I a thought, character it wouldn't make sense for him to just show up in the jungle though yeah but I like guess. maybe but. It's weird that it shows. It makes sense these... for him to show up and and take the money when it's right there. It, for maybe him maybe for if he like had just like one or two more scenes in the middle, just like as like a cutaway or something, just to remind the audience that he existed, it would have been less of it would be less of a tonal jarring shift for yeah, him little, to show up like, again. It's a little. I don't want to say confusing, but it's a little like. You know, I I thought that like they just you know were in these woods and these you know. Vietnamese militia saw them in there and they're like, are we going to fuck these dudes up? But then to realize that they're like, they're in leagues with this dude and that's why they're hunting him down because he contracted them to do this thing. It's like a little bit, it's a little bit muddy or like messy to have like kind of all that backloaded. Do you think it works? I think it matches the capitalism aspect perfectly. Sure. He doesn't give a shit about those Vietnamese people. Mm-hmm. He's using them to get his money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he doesn't I, I care. It, he does not care about. And I think actually, I think it's better that he's not American because it's not. 
capitalism is something that is deeply tied with America, but is not exclusive to America. It is in across the world. And I think having him just be a Frenchman who just doesn't, he's just going to use whoever he has access to use to get what he wants. I think what Robbie and I are like kind of getting at is not the intent or motivation of the character. It's just that he's portrayed in this very kind of cartoonish way to present this like very real idea. So it's like, it's kind of, it's, it's just a little jarring in how he's presented, not the purpose of the character, yeah, but just, and I, and I I like guess everything. So. it's more, I guess yeah. it's more John Renault's performance. Mm. That's that he and I might find like just a little. Yeah. I, I, I'm uh, down with like the character conceptually and, and what in, he's enacting, you know, I think that that all works in context of the film and to the, and to the allegory you're mentioning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, honestly, it's not something I thought about on first, like, my first impression watching the movie. I didn't really think much to his character at all. Mm -hmm. But now reflecting on it, I think it fits the bigger metaphor that um, Spike Lee's getting at here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. The uh, speaking of like all those uh, the the mine crew, I thought it was such a like a good um, method of using that like kind of classic Hitchcock put the bomb under the table kind of thing. Oh, dude! Because because yes. as soon as they said, "Oh, we we work with uh, landmine and bomb defusals in the jungle," every step they took, yeah, in the jungle I was like, "Oh was shit!" Here we go. The scene when, on the uh, mountain. The scene when, on the mountain with a metal detector. Oh was like, my, I got another one. Oh my I got God. another one. Oh man. And then and then I, the movie lets your guard ad, down. I wasn't as yep. scared during those scenes, but the the scene, like I saw it like a mile away, and, and, and it's and that's not a complaint. But like when uh uh Eddie has like the gold bar and he keeps walking backwards, I'm just like and he's not looking where he's going. I'm like, he's yeah, just walking backwards. Yeah. And uh, I love the scene when they pull off uh, David from the landmine. Oh my that god! I really like that scene. Yeah, it was. Good it's too. really good tension. I thought. I, can, I mean, you know, he's gonna get out of it. But I thought nice. it was like it was just gonna be a dud the whole time. So what was really surprising is that when they pulled him yeah, off and it exploded. actually exploded, I was like, oh shit! No, he was in real danger. Holy yeah, fuck! And they're also, ready to be like, just try and get off of it. What's the them, worst can, nope. them them showing Eddie, who is just absolutely fucking eviscerated, but still alive. Yeah, it really well, that, shows just like and then it shows at the very end of the movie when there's like the there they cut away to like the money that got donated to um, the landmine um, not for profit. Uh, what's it called? I forget. Oh, lamb. Lamb. Yes. Yes. And they show like actual Vietnamese kids who are like maimed. Yeah. And like that there was a kid sitting in the in the wheelchair who was just like half of a kid. <laughs> and like it was kind of the same wound yeah. that like Eddie had, so I don't know. That was that it's was a real, that was well, like a bit a real... of violence that was really really like holy shit. Yeah, I mean it's a real thing that you don't think about, and the movie kind of mentions it a few times where they're just like you know war never really ends. Yep. Even this many years later, we have a crew of people whose job is devoted to demining this country. You know, like these yeah. lands. And in, from and, like you know, more than 50 years ago yeah like that's crazy like, that's crazy that it's like that's still a, like a thing we need to do because the and the consequences are severe if you don't um yeah that scene when eddie's blown up it's like it, you know it's like it's like cartoony and it looks and, it, and i feel like it looks like what jeremy is descri- describing of like you know kind of like it's, it's a genre choice 
mm-hmm. you know, like to, to use kind of like, like he has like, like the blood squirting out. Like you can tell he's like, you know, like half dug into there and he's wearing like the, the, the thing on him, like the prosthetic that's like his like blown up body. And it looks like super gross, but you can tell it's like, it like, per- they don't try and make it look realistic and they don't make his death try and look like realistic looked, either you know i, I, I think feel it like works. it looked i feel like it looked graphically realistic yeah like i don't know i think because it was probably a practical effect that helped yeah but for me it was like really upsetting seeing him look like that he gets fucked up he was fucked up he gets fucked up uh how do you guys feel about uh otis's character and his uh his his vietnamese baby mama uh, there I forget her name. I thought you were going to say opioid addiction, like dealing with yet uh, another Well, we can talk about that. Like, he, well, there's just so many. Next to Paul, there's so much he puts in there. Most interesting characters. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so having, let's, I guess, like, you know, general talk on Otis. Um, how, how did I feel? I didn't feel as strongly about, about Otis as, as I did, like, some of the other characters but i i feel like he was definitely like the one who deserved a happy ending the most as he was like kind of like the moral center of mm. of of the group so he's like the it, level-headed guy yeah so so it was it was it was nice that he got the uh that he got like the the most like morally like rewarded ending did you guys catch the uh, foreshadowing with Melvin in the beginning of the movie where they talk about they like they're talking about the Vietnamese guys or yeah I think they're talking about the Vietnamese guys in the in the in the bar and they're talking about how one jumped on a, a grenade mm-hmm. for their the rest of their crew oh, and and, yeah. and Mel says like no offense fellas but I wouldn't do that for you and then that's how he goes out in the end that is good that is good foreshadowing I did not catch that. Mm-hmm. well him well him too he i feel like he would have deserved a uh, a happy ending as well but that was like the right the right i think they i think they all deserve happy endings you know even even paul gets like the happiest ending you can get yeah he he forgives himself which is really the only thing he i think wanted oh, i think I, I i that was like the, the the most effective scene in the movie for me where where he forgives where like the the ghost of of um of, of, Stor- of, of Storm and Norman yeah. forgives him. Mm-hmm. I yeah. thought that that was that was beautiful. well. They give you they give you a one two punch pretty quickly because you learn that that Paul actually was the one who who killed him by accident, mm-hmm. and then they give you the kind of like immediate forgiveness afterwards. Um, and, and yeah, it, but it works. You know, I started to get that feeling when they showed the scene of Paul like coming back to the 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 rest of the group and just saying he was KIA, but not actually showing it happen. Yeah, like I, I didn't put I didn't put that, that together. That's a good catch. So yeah, so you but yeah, I, I, you you fill in go ahead. you fill in uh, like oh maybe like you know Paul Paul killed um, Storm and Norman like out of anger or out of jealousy or something, but no, it's like something much more like tragic and just yeah. much which much is more out of the blue. It's another aspect of like U.S. wars, like so many U.S. wars, you've been in conflicts that you don't fully understand, and there are so many instances of friendly fire deaths. Yeah. Um. Where it's just like this is just it's just it just highlights the whole the senselessness of it. Yeah. And I, I think this movie like does a good job of like 
pointing at a lot of things uh, in some subtle and some not so subtle ways um, and really like taking the time to, to engage with those things and like present those things through interesting characters and, and otherwise like just entertaining movie. Yeah, I agree. Cool. Uh, you guys, any, any other things you want to say about Defy Bloods? It's just, it was just overall very effective. I was thinking yeah. about this movie uh, uh, quite a bit. I mean, like even even if this this movie wasn't as timely as it ended up being, I, f- I feel like I would have thought about it uh, a a lot still. So. Like I think, I think this is gonna be a movie that will be that I'll still be thinking about and for for a while, yeah. and I think it's uh, it's it's like both Black Klansman and and this were were both quite effective, um, for me, and yeah, uh, and but in 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 different ways, and just the way I think the the way that that Spike Lee handles tension and genre. And while while also getting this this important message across about about war and its and its effects on 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 black citizens and the 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 way that like war never truly ends and like even if you go back home it it never truly does end so uh, so yeah I I think this movie is 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 like the first I I'd say it's like the first essential film watch of 2020 for people much much like in the way that like parasite was uh for people for like last year so it's it's nice it's nice to see that it's nice to see a movie like that come out even though we're we're in this quarantine and a lot of studios are just kind of like more or less dumping movies onto amazon and streaming services well like you know i'm not not for nothing there's still good stuff being put out there but you know, I feel if if this movie wasn't produced by Netflix, I feel like this would have been something that would have been saved for for like a theatrical release. I wish I could I could watch it in a theater, but yeah, but same. It, it look cool. But it was, but it was nice seeing seeing something like like this a real piece of like auteur work being being put out there on Netflix like that in this time. I guess that's what I was getting at earlier. Is that like there is there's been like good stuff that's been coming out through through like the quarantine, but nothing that's felt like a true piece of like authorship. Yeah, I yeah I agree with you there. I think this one holds up even better for me than uh, Black Klansman because I think while Black Klansman was effective as a movie, it kind of lost its shine for me uh, when I looked more into the history of what was going on with that stuff. Um. Yeah, I Black think you both is probably saw the Boots, a, the Boots Riley kind of yeah. criticism of how that story actually played out. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it kind of loses sort of the message and the <clears throat> metaphor there. But I think this movie really does hit on a lot of a lot of themes that are important. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think uh, I think it's an important movie to see. I think it's a really fun ride. Um, I it kind of feels like a modern classic in a lot of ways. And it may be, it's because of like how strong the homages are in it, you know, but, uh, I don't think, you know, I think that's just means that it's effectively told. Um, but yeah, I really dig it. 
Well, guys, yeah, watch it. It's a hell of yeah, a Spike Lee well, I mean, hopefully you've if you're listening Netflix, to this, don't fucking you're, get around. You're, you're, you've watched it already. Um, well, cool. now we just did all the thinking work for you. So you can just watch it. <laughs> and be like, oh, yeah, they were right about all that stuff. Yes. Yeah. Uh, thank you guys for joining me. Um, this is not the only podcast on StoryScreen. StoryScreenBeacon.com is a host to many articles, podcasts, and reviews. You can go on that website and check those things out. You can also go on our store on our website where you can buy a tote bag, mug, or motherfucking t-shirt. So please check t-shirt. out. You can't see if you're a viewer. But oh, I have that one too. pretty sick. Yeah. Story I don't know if we have any more of those left, but that would be on... You can check out the Wear Together site and you can find I think some... Emily Sylvester might still have stuff on her website. Okay. so check I was out. not able to get one of those, so... It's good. Yeah, well, it's a fucking hot, exclusive drop. You snoozy lose. Sorry. Snoozy loozy. Bobbing bob boom. Cool. You can buy mine. It's a hundred bucks. <laughs> hundred dollars. Hit up. Hit up. Hit up, Jack. Isn't that a medium? <laughs> yeah, it'll stretch. Uh, My shit's extra large. I don't, uh, don't want to pay a hundred dollars for a t-shirt that stretches. <laughs> <laughs> That's a hundred dollars for I, one that shrinks. I'm going to keep it anyway. It's too cool. I like it too much. Fair enough. Very cool. This is very cool the offer's shirt. off. We have other cool shirts on our website as well, so check that out. Um, we are... Uh, Story Screen Theater is closed because of... I don't know if you guys saw the news, the pandemic, but we're uh, we're doing a drive-in that should be opening soon. By the time you hear this podcast, the drive-in should already be operational. Um, it's at the Beacon Settlement Camp. You can go on our website to find details. Uh, also be sure to follow us on social media for more updates on all those things and all the things I've mentioned. But yeah, if you are, you know, looking to see a movie from the comfort of your Land Rover SUV, TM, 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 you can go I do that. I personally cannot wait to drive in and see to a drive movie. In. <laughs> I'm going cool. to drive in as soon Anything as I to get the us out of this fucking, our fucking houses, right? Yeah. Watching movies in my house is okay. It's yeah, pretty good. I don't mind it that much. It's pretty good, but I would like to drive in. I like to rewind a lot, so it's nice. I'm not. I'm still not going to die for Tenet. Sorry, Chris. It's not happening. Well, at this so point, even keep, if the even if the virus keep pushing goes it away, back, keep pushing it back. You must. What be. if we? What if you why, watch wonder... it through a drive-in? Would you watch Tenet at a drive-in? Yeah, I don't know. of course. Well, I mean, is like the technology there to do so? Yes. Maybe if Tenet, or maybe if Chris could get over himself and just fucking put it out in a drive-in. Yeah, I yeah, think right. he, I think they will. I think mass distribution counts as like driving. I feel like they're just edging that movie back and back and back because they want it they to be in the theater. Make, they right. want it to be reason, a huge, right. they want a fucking huge opening weekend. Right. Well, that too. They want to make they want numbers. Of money. Yeah. Well, I mean, they could so make they like five dollars and it'll still be a box office smash at this point. <laughs> Did you guys hear about that one like small movie project that like? I forget the name of it or the details of the story, really, but the 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 the, the gist of it is that um, they rented out like a couple theaters that were closed and like on a technicality, like had the largest opening at a box office for for a weekend because they were only one. They, like they nice. bought out all the seats at their own theater. So well, there you go. They can put they that on like a resume. Technically, technically the biggest movie for like a whole weekend. In America. Well, I've I'm still like looking at the box office returns just out of sheer curiosity, and all the big winners are like Jaws, Jurassic Park, uh, the Goonies. Well, that's because that's what they're showing. Yeah, and like the Invisible Man. 
So because they're still showing the Invisible Man and like Bloodshot, yeah, still, Bloodshot's yeah. fucking getting his comeback now. <laughs> About time. So uh, so it's pretty funny, like what what people are willing to go out for, and it's big Spielberg. Although it's Jurassic Park and Jaws have do have themes that are quite relevant with what's going on right now. I feel like yeah, imagine reopening a park when you know it's too dangerous to do so. Yeah, yeah, true. All right, guys, thanks for joining me. Thank you guys for listening out there on the airwaves. We'll catch you next time. Bye. Bye.